How are you doing this morning? Yeah? Okay. Well, half of you are doing fine and some good. That's good. Um, last week, uh, we talked about uh, what, what matters most. Uh, and, and basically, what we said is that if, if you um, intentionally focus, uh, put all your energy during this life thinking of the next life, you're going to have a wonderful next life. You know, and, and what matters most in this life is that you focus on loving God with all your heart and loving your neighbor as yourself. And, and we said that what that means is that you will, you will invest in having a relationship with God in such a way that will make you free to love the people around you as, as you love yourself. But we also said that uh, that's uh, really hard for us to do. You know, last week I told you that today we would see why is it so hard for us to do because there is something in your life that, that it's kind of like an obstacle. It's like a magnet that pulls you off the right path. And it is crucial for you to identify clearly what that is so that you can put it in, in God's hands and that way he will deal with it. He will help you deal with it. He will fix it for you and then you will be able to live that life that we all want to live. So today we're going to study what is at the root of our struggles. What, what is it that pushes us off the, the, the right path? Let, let, let us pray and, and then we'll analyze this subject. Father, I just thank you so much for your love, Lord. The love that you showed us by sending your son, Jesus Christ, to purchase life for each one of us. And your word, Father, tells us that that life that he purchased, he gave it to us to live it for him. And we want to do just that, Lord. And, and it is so hard to do sometimes. So I'm going to ask you, Father, that you will help us today, that you will do a miracle, that you will open our eyes and allow us to see ourselves exactly how we are and also that you will let us see ourselves the way that you see us. And I'm, I'm asking, Father, that that will uh, do the miracle of transforming completely the way that we see you and we see life, that we may live it for you. We place ourselves completely in your hands, Lord, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. <clears throat> the passage I'm going to read today, it's a passage that everyone knows. Mm. Well, everyone knows that it exists. Uh, even if you're not a believer, you've never read the Bible, you've heard of this passage, but very few people actually know it by heart. Uh, you'll recognize it right away when I start reading. Uh, because of space in your program, you only have the first two verses, well, actually the first two commandments, but um, I'm going to read all the way to verse 17. It's Exodus 20, verses 1 to 17. It reads like this. <clears throat> and God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above, or on the earth beneath, or on the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Um, what, what did we just read? What are these? 
the Ten Commandments. See, everyone knows that they exist. But you know what's very interesting? <clears throat> very few people know the Ten Commandments by heart. Actually, uh, they have even done tests in seminary schools. And, and the students, you know, that are studying to become pastors, they don't know the Ten Commandments. And it's rare the person that even if they know them, can say them in order. I guess people think that the order of the Ten Commandments is not important. But, but they are crucially important. The order in which they were given is very important because if you pay attention, you will notice that the first four deal with your relationship with God. And the last six deal with your relationship with other people. Love God, love other people. That's the right order. But the first two commandments, that's the reason why we place those two in your program, at least those, because those are very, very important. Martin Luther, you know, the father of the Protestant Reformation, wrote saying that uh, since the first two commandments deal with idolatry, you know, the first two are, you shall have no other gods before me and you shall not make any um, idols to worship them. Um, he says, since those two deal with idolatry, if you keep those two, then you can keep the other eight. But in order to break one of the other eight, you will have to have broken one of the first two already. So if you can keep the first two commandments, you can keep all the commandments. See, what that means, what the Bible is telling you there, is that the root of our struggles, the problem that we have to deal with most in our lives, is the problem of idolatry. See, it is, it's an idolatry problem. So today we're going to talk about idolatry. And the first thing we're going to do is define it. In your program it says idolatry means to value something above God. See, if, if you can lie, if you can kill, if you can dishonor your parents, to do any of the other eight commandments, to do that, you will have already found something in your life that you will value more than you value God, and that's why you can break them. Now, I know that if you've read the Bible before, if you read especially the Old Testament, when, when you think of idols, the first thing that will come to your mind are the nations around the people of Israel that had, you know, these figures that they worship, and those were the idols. But you need to understand that this passage is talking to you today. It's talking to believers, and it's talking to you about your present situation. And it's crucial that you understand that for two reasons. First of all, we all are guilty of idolatry, all of us. John Calvin used to say that the human heart is an idol factory. We're all the time creating idols. And I'm going to tell you what's our problem as believers. See, once you become a believer, once you start following Christ, your idols will tend to be things that are good, not bad. You're not struggling between good and bad. You, you don't go, should I follow Jesus or should I sell drugs? You know, you're, you're not struggling between good and bad, you know. You're struggling with, between God and good things that what you do is you elevate them to a place that goes above God. And you start valuing certain things in your life that start as good things, but then they become so important to you that they will help you make decisions even if they go against God. And that's the second problem with idolatry. See, the moment that you start valuing something above God, you're going to fall into two mistakes that are huge. First of all, you're going to begin to suppress the Word of God for your life. And number two, you're going to start questioning God's character. Now, I'll give you an example. You can use any idol to see this, but this is how it works. For example, uh, imagine a relationship. You know, you, you meet a person, and you have fun with that person, and you like that person. And the more time you start spending with that person, you start realizing how much you enjoy being with that person. And then little by little, you realize that this relationship is evolving, and it's becoming more intimate, and you're enjoying it too much. But all of a sudden, 
maybe a friend has a chat with you or you come to a sermon or you read your Bible or God just talks to you and you realize that this relationship, the way that you're taking it to, the, the place where you're taking it to is against God's word. If you have elevated that relationship above God, you immediately are going to start avoiding the passages in the Bible that talk about that type of relationship. You're going to skip them. If people will come to talk to you about stuff like that, you're going to go, I don't want to hear it. So what you just did is suppress the word of God in your life. And then the second thing you're going to do is you're going to start questioning his character. You're going to start thinking, well, if God really was a good God, you know, if he really loved me, he would allow me to have this relationship because it makes me very happy. And I know God wants me to be happy, so for sure he's going to let me do this. Or he's not really a good God. You will even think things like, well, he made me this way, you know, and, 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 and I feel like having this relationship, so how can he question it? He's not a loving God if he's not going to allow me to just be myself. So see, you just suppress the word of God and question his character. And then on top of that, there's another problem with idols. And the problem is that there are two different types of idols. And one type of idols is very easy to deal with, or not easy, but it's a little bit easier than the other type. So today we're going to analyze the two types of idols. Let's start with the easiest one. Number one in your problem says superficial idols. See, these are the ones that can be easily seen. See, the superficial idols, you can see them. If you sit down to talk to someone, you know, like you're struggling with something and you have a cup of coffee and you start talking about your struggles, more often than not, what you're going to identify, it's a superficial idol. And I'm going to give you a, a list of a few of them uh, because I want you to be able to see them. Um, just for a disclaimer here, I heard this list from a pastor who heard it from another pastor who heard it from another pastor who cannot find the source, okay? So we don't know who made the list originally. If you want to read more about this, Tim Keller wrote an excellent book about it called uh, Counterfeit Gods, so you can see more about this. I'm not even going to mention all the idols that you can find. You can find a lot more in the book, okay? Uh, but these are some of the most common ones, okay? Uh, letter A in your program says image, image idolatry. See, each one of these idols uh, will finish this phrase, and then you will be able to identify it. Life only has meaning, and I only have worth if. In the case of image is if I have a particular kind of look or a body image. See, people with this idol are obsessed with the way that they look. Okay, and, and, and look at how this starts as a good thing. There is nothing wrong with wanting to, to, to look good, to, to be healthy. Actually, the Bible has a lot to say about the importance of taking care of your body because it's the temple of the Holy Spirit. The problem is that phrase, life only has meaning, I only have worth if I look a certain way, it becomes an obsession. Okay, so image is the first one. Letter B is work, work idolatry. Life only has meaning, I only have uh, worth if I am highly productive and people look up to me because of the job that I do. See, again, there's nothing wrong with being very productive and doing a good job. But if your identity comes from your job position, you're going to become a slave to that position. And not only that, but this becomes so important, it's your source of security to the point that if somebody else comes in the organization and starts doing a better job than, than you are doing and they're underneath you, you're going to crush them because you'd be afraid to lose that position because that's your idol, okay? Um, letter C is achievement. 
achievement. This doesn't necessarily have to do with work. It can be, but achievement is more like this. Life only has meaning and I only have worth if I am recognized for my accomplishments. See, people with this idol, you know, they are very happy with things that they have done in the past, that they have accomplished, that is worthy of mention, and they want the people to know about it because they want to be admired, recognized, clapped because of those achievements. When you meet a person that has this idol, it'll take no more than 10 minutes for them to tell you what they have done in their life so that you can clap and admire them. Because their identity comes from that, so you need to know, otherwise how are you going to admire them, okay? Uh, letter D is materialism. Life only has worth, uh, meaning, I only have worth if I can obtain a high level of wealth. See, if I can have more money than most people, if I can buy things that are so nice that other people will envy. See, people with this idol, you know, they have to make sure that you know that they have money. So, so they buy the shirts that the label is on the outside, so you can see it's an expensive shirt, you know? <laughs> like, you, know, they, you need to know, you know, that they are rich, okay? Uh, letter E is a tricky one, religion. Life only has meaning. I only have worth if I am adhering to my religion's moral code and accomplishing its activities. See, these are the people that believe that if they behave in a certain way, people will admire them for how good they are. This is not a relationship with God. It's a relationship with the rules. And also accomplishing, accomplishing the activities of their religion. See, people that participate in everything they can in church so people will see that they're doing the right thing. See, this is something that I talk often to the people of our staff and our volunteers. You know, because it's very dangerous. Do not confuse your work for the Lord with your relationship with the Lord. These are two separate things. Okay, so that is the idol religion, um, idol, um, uh, the religion idol. I'm thinking in Spanish, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> letter F, it's favorite person idolatry. See, life only has meaning and I only have worth if I can keep a specific person happy with me. See, these people choose like the most popular person in the group, my boss, you know, someone around me that is my favorite person and that becomes my idol. Um, letter G, inner ring idolatry. Life only has meaning. I only have worth if I can belong to this selective group of people. You know, in school tends to be the cool kids or the sports kids or at work, you know, this group of executives are the more successful. And these are groups that don't let people in easily. So their obsession is to become part of that because my identity will be obtained by that. Uh, letter H is family. Life only has meaning, I only have worth if I can keep my family happy, my children happy, my parents happy. You know, it's about family. Uh, letter I is relationship. This has to do with romantic relationship. Life only has meaning and I only have worth if I can make the perfect person fall in love with me. See, in this case, these people are going to deem someone the perfect one, you know, the one and they're going to chase this person with everything because if they can get that, they'll be fine. And last and very tricky too, it's J, suffering. Life only has meaning, I only have worth if I am suffering because only then I feel noble, I feel worthy, I can deal with my guilt, okay? Uh, I, I just gave you a few. There's a lot more. If you keep looking, you know, you're going to find pleasure. You're going to find rays. You're going to find all kinds of idols that people adopt as the most important thing for them. Now, let me tell you why these idols are so insidious. You know, why is it so easy for you to fall into them and not even notice? 
Because no one here consciously thinks life only has meaning and I only have worth if. You don't think that way. So you don't think life only has meaning if I can buy this car or if I can marry this person. You don't think it, but you live that way. This is how you can tell. Because you don't think that life only has meaning if you can buy this car, but you will go in debt. You will probably not buy the things that you really need as long as you can have that car because you want to show to the people that you have the money. So we live that way. Okay, now, all these idols that I just mentioned, I went really fast through them because I want to spend some more time in the second type because these are superficial idols. See, that means they are not really the problem. And that's a huge thing to understand because those are the ones that we can see, so those are usually the ones that we're fighting. But see, the best way to understand these idols, uh, try to think of them as symptoms. See, um, my wife, Karina, uh, she's a celiac. I don't know if you know what that is, but uh, it's an autoimmune disease that attacks gluten. She cannot eat gluten. She's completely intolerant. This condition was triggered about four years ago by two terrible infections that she got combined, and since then, she cannot eat gluten. But when she first got it, we didn't know what it was. And the symptoms for a celiac are terrible. You know, her stomach started getting swollen because her body's attacking the gluten, like if it was an external negative agent. So it starts attacking it, her stomach gets swollen, she starts getting ulcers, she gets a stomach ache, loose stomach, terrible headaches, joint pain, you know, it's terrible. So we started going to the doctor to see what she had. But imagine if all the doctors did when she started going is to tell her, uh, take some aspirin for the headache and some Pepto-Bismol for your stomach and go home. She would just go home, take the aspirin, you know, take the Pepto-Bismol, and, and maybe she would, like she did, she would stop eating for a couple of days until the pain was gone, but she would go back to eat gluten. And then she would get the symptoms all over again. And her life will be miserable because she's just fighting with what you could see, but not with what was causing the problem. That's exactly the problem with those idols. Those are just symptoms. And most of us spend our lives fighting just the symptom. So if we really solve problems in our lives, if we really want God to work with what's important, we need to go a little bit deeper to the root of our struggles, which are source idols. See, number two in your programs is source idols. And these are uh, the idols where all superficial idols spring from. See, these are only four of them. And you're going to be surprised because as we analyze them, you're going to realize that we all have one, some of us have two, many of us have three of them, and even though it's rare, some people really pull through and have the four of them. So pay attention, okay? <laughs> the first one is letter A, comfort. Comfort idolatry. Life only has meaning and I only have worth if I can be as comfortable as possible, if I don't have to do anything. See, these people want to be left alone. They want privacy, so no one notices that they're not doing anything. Um, they want freedom, they don't want any stress. Now, I'm going to advise you to not elbow the person right next to you. The Holy Spirit doesn't need any help from you, okay? <laughs> Try to identify the ones in yourself. Uh, in order for uh, you to be able to identify them a little bit easier, I'm going to give you a few clues about each one of them. For example, these people have to pay a price. Every idol makes you pay a price. In this case, it's productivity. People with a comfort idol are not productive and they don't mind. They don't want to work. See, they're lazy. Their greatest fear is that there will be stress in their lives. 
that somebody will demand things from them, that, that there will be expectations placed on them. They don't want that, okay? Their greatest fear is stress. People around them usually feel very hurt because they're not doing their part. And, and however you cut it, laziness always has collateral damage. So the people around feel completely hurt. Every adult creates a problem emotion, in these cases, boredom. These people are always bored. They're always fighting with boredom because God did not design us to just sit there and do nothing. And these people are trying to do that, thinking that that's gonna make them happier, so they become slaves to boredom. They usually see other people as an obstacle to their comfort, which in result, you know, is like they rarely have authentic relationships because real, deep, authentic relationships take work. And these people are not willing to work. They will only invest in a relationship if the other person is willing to give them enough space for them to be comfortable. The irony of this, as in any idol, you know, is that the comfort idol never fulfills its promises. You know, they can never feel comfortable. You know, the more they pursue being comfortable and doing nothing, the more uncomfortable they are. Because we all were designed to live in community and community takes contribution. You have to do your part. And then since you're not doing your part and people are getting angry with you, you're uncomfortable and you don't understand why if you're just pursuing comfort. So it's a cycle that never ends, okay? The next one, it's approval. Approval idolatry. Life only has meaning and I only have worth if I can be loved and respected by a particular person. See, these people deem somebody very important and the only way they feel validated, affirmed, is if this person approves of them. The price that they have to pay is independence. See, these are people that need to be with someone. They cannot be alone. See, they finish a relationship and they immediately start looking for somebody else. They are dependent on other people to feel approved. So they're willing to give up their independence. They don't need space for themselves. They need someone in their lives. Their greatest fear, rejection from this particular person. People around them, this person in particular, will feel smothered, like suffocated. Because these people are like all over the place, you know, with this person, and they usually demand things that are humanly impossible to fulfill. Their problem emotion, and this is very sad, is cowardice. They have to deal with the fact that they are cowards, and I'll explain to you why. Um, this is the way it works. See, since these people are like really dysfunctional in their pursuit of the other person, they tend to scare people away. And usually the only people that they attract are other dysfunctional people that realize the power they can have over this person because they read, you know, that person really wants them, so they be, you know, capable of mistreating that person, you know, uh, be abusive, treat them wrong, and the other person will close its, you know, her or his eyes to this behavior, but then, you know, she'll have to explore, he will have to explain to other people, no, 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 he's a really nice person, she's a really nice person. But to other people, say like, I don't know why he treats me like this. And then he has to go to bed at night and live with himself, knowing that, that he's a coward or she's a coward. You know, you will not be willing to speak up your mind to confront the other person because it may be too costly. It may cost you the relationship, okay? Now, again, 
there's nothing wrong with wanting to be liked by other people. We were all designed that way. The problem is, see, people with disapproval idolatry, they, they seek a person in particular, and they can never be satisfied with the love and approval from God. So they never really feel approved by anyone. You know, people with this idol are willing to do pretty much anything to keep this person happy, so they tend to overpromise, overcommit. They're incredibly insecure, and they're all the time thinking of, what is this person thinking of me? Let her see. I know, and you were so happy this morning. Huh? <clears throat> and you'll, you'll see that it, it, it's needed. Uh, control. Control idolatry. Life only has meaning, and I only have worth if I can have totally under control a certain area or every area of my life. See, these people are trying to control to such a degree that, first of all, they, they are self-disciplined. They, they keep very high standards for themselves. The price that they have to pay tends to be double. They tend to be very lonely people, so loneliness is a, it's, you know, something they have to live with because since they try to control everything, they try to push everyone away from trying to control anything, so they end up lonely. And they're not very spontaneous. They have everything planned six months ahead, so no spontaneity, okay? So uh, as, as husbands or wives, uh, they try to control how their mate will look, will dress, will do their hair, the colors that they wear. You know, they, they try to control everything. If you're driving the car and a control person is right next to you, it's telling you where to go, where to turn, what the route should be, at what speed should you drive. You know, it's trying to control everything. You know, uh, as a parent, it's like hoovering over the children all the time. No risk should come to them. Everything should be planned for the next 20 years for them. You know, the teachers of their kids, they think you're a nightmare, you know, because you're all the time on top of it. Uh, the greatest fear is uncertainty, you know, not, not knowing for sure what's going to happen. People around them usually feel condemned, tested, judged. You know, one of their most common phrases is, why don't you just do what I say? You know, just do it my way. And their problem motion is worry. They're always worried. See, this is how it plays with them. See, these people try to control a situation. And when they try to control it, this clearly reveal that they cannot really control it. When they cannot control something, they start worrying about how, what's going to happen. And the worry and anxiety leads them to try to control even more. So the more they try to control, the more it reveals that they cannot control it. So that creates more worry and anxiety, which in turn try to make them control even more. So it's a cycle that they live in. It's exhausting. See, they are obsessed with everything happening exactly the way they planned it. If something is going to be well done, it has to be done by themselves. And that's the way they manage money, people. They actually micromanage. And for these people, there's no peace. There's no rest. Because what's going to happen to the universe if I take a nap? You know, I have to be aware, you know. And the last one, letter D, is power. Power idolatry. Life only has meaning. I only have worth if I have power and influence over you. See, you may think that control and power are the same, but they are different. Usually they combine, but they're different because these people define success by winning over you. See, people with a power idol, they see relationships as a competition. So they're always trying to win. 
You know, they want to take, you know, like the responsibility of everything because they want to win in the end. The price they pay is that they have to burden, you know, the, the weight of responsibility in everything that they do. If this is going to help me to have influence over you and be able to win over you, I'll do it. I'll take care of it. Make me responsible. Their greatest fear is humiliation. So, see, that tells you something very specific. With these people, it's not so much about always winning but about never losing. Because if they lose, they feel humiliated. So they can never lose, they always have to win. People around them uh, usually feel used because the relationship with you doesn't have to do with them loving you or even liking you. It has to do with what do you bring to the table so that I can have more influence over something. And their problem emotion is anger. When they feel like they're losing or they feel humiliated, they explode. Every violent person has at their heart a power idol. Okay? Now, um, these people love competition all the time. So, um, it's, it's normal for, for like a person that is addicted to gambling, for example, to have a power idol because they, you know, they rebuild in winning. And, and as I said before, there's nothing wrong with competition. You know, we're all competitive at some level. The problem is wanting to win in everything, every way, and think of relationship as a competition is very dysfunctional. These people cannot allow anyone to win anything. They won't even let their four-year-old win in a game of checkers. You know, they have to beat them, you know, or they get very upset. And their heart is usually revealed when they lose. You can clearly tell when somebody has a power idol because they can't handle defeat, okay? Now, Regardless of which idol could you see, especially when we saw the first list, those are easy to see, you need to understand that any one of those idols really comes from one of these last four. And you need to be able to see it. And, and let me give you an example. Uh, if your idol is image, why do you want to look good? What is it that drives you to try to look as good as you want to look? Is it because you, know, you have noticed that the people that are really good looking can get to not do much and just point at other people to do their work for them? Or maybe because that gives you power over other people and win you know, the guys over other girls or the girls over other guys? Uh, or maybe it, it helps you to control them? Why? Why do you want to look good? Why do you want to have money? You know, if it's materialism, do you get approval from other people that clap and bow down to you because you have such nice things? Or, or does that give you power or control? You really have to go deep down to understand why are you seeking this idol that you can see? What's below? Now, you may be wondering, why am I doing this to yourself? You know, you're like you're thinking, everybody's already giving me dirty looks. Why are you doing this to me? There are good reasons for it, okay? See, the good news about idols is that what God would have you do, as with anything in our lives, is to repent. Okay, and repent, remember, doesn't mean feeling bad about it, but changing the direction of your life. But the question is, how do we do that? How do we repent from these things? See, to understand that, you need to understand two pillars of the gospel that you need to understand clearly and accept and live by in order to be able to be free to live the life that God wants you to live. The first pillar is, I am completely sinful. See, that's a pillar of the gospel. We are all human beings completely sinful, and it's something that you have to come to terms with. We are all sinful. 
Okay, that's the reality of every human being. The other pillar is I am fully accepted. If you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you are completely sinful, but you are fully accepted. The question is, how do you go from one end to the other? Because that's the hard part. That's where people, you know, never make the connection and they can never truly live for God. See, in order for you to pass from one side to the other, the first thing that you need to do is see your sin. So this is why I'm putting it out on the table, because you need to be able to see these sins and then take the next step, which means own my sin, to appropriate myself of this sin, to, to recognize that that's what I am. See, a lot of people think that sin is something external to them, but it's not. It's not something that you do. It's something that you are, so it's internal. You don't lie sometimes. You are a liar. Do you see the difference? You have to come to terms with that. We are sinners. He gets it. Yeah, see? <laughs> okay. And, and it is the only way to get to the joy of Jesus Christ when you really come to terms with the fact that that's what you are. Have you ever wondered uh, why, for example, Paul constantly throughout his letters lists all the things that we were? You were drunkards. You were revilers. You were this. You were that. Everywhere. 1 Corinthians 6, Romans 1, Titus 3, go read them. It's a list of the things that we were. I can imagine that Paul was not often invited to dinner, you know, because he would come and like, you were dead, and like he was all the time. Why was he doing that? Because you need to see these things. You need to acknowledge these things in order to, first of all, see, if you don't acknowledge everything that you are, you will never have the joy of really understanding what Jesus did for you at the cross. But see, not only you need to see them, that's when you have to go to a deeper level. Because our problem tends to be that we're only fighting with superficial idols. So you see them, you repent from them, you go to Jesus, you feel forgiven. But since all you did was fight against a superficial idol, the source idol will pop its ugly face just in a different way in your life. And you'll feel defeated and you'll be all the time there. Have you ever wondered why are we still tempted after we're saved? Why is Satan trying to? He can't get you anymore. The Bible says that once Jesus has you and he says, no one can take you away from him. So why does he tempt you? You know why? To distract you so that you will not live the life that you were meant to live. And if you're dealing only with superficial idols, that's what you're doing. You're being distracted by Satan and you're completely distraught and you're all the time upset and you're always praying, Father, please forgive me, instead of living the life. So you need to go deeper. You need to go and see the source of your sin, and then you're going to come to a realization. You're going to understand that you are a bigger sinner than you thought. You know, because you're so superficial. You're like, yeah, I'm fiddling with this. No, 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 no. I'm a bigger sinner than I thought. Man, I'm terrible. I am a sinner. But the moment that you can come to that realization and truly see this, the, the idol that is holding you back here, that's when you start breaking loose from it and start having repentance over the right things. Then you're going to start believing certain things and understanding certain truths from the Bible. Jesus died for me as I am today. You know, when Jesus died at the cross, I hadn't committed any sin. And he still died for me knowing what I was going to do. So he died for me. He lives for me. He lives in me. And when you understand that truth, you know, you're going to realize 
the other end of the spectrum, which is, yes, I am a bigger sinner than I thought, but he's a bigger savior than I thought. And that's when you're going to feel fully accepted. See, that's how we repent. We don't try to avoid it. You know, we don't try to numb our minds and not think about it, which is what the world is going to try to tell you to do. The world's going to say, no, 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 go have a drink, go watch a game, go have some fun, don't think about these things, they're not that bad. Or worse, they're going to give you someone to blame. It's all your mother's fault. You know, it's her fault, you know. But we don't do that. What we do is we stop to think about it. We spend time, you know, talking to God, opening our heart to God, showing to God what we see and asking Him to show us what He sees. And I know that um, maybe uh, some of you are not ready for this. I know for experience that some of you are thinking right now, yeah, yeah, whatever, you know, just keep going, let's finish this. Uh, I understand, maybe you are not heartbroken yet. But I'm going to give you a first step. Regardless of where you are right now, just take this one step. Put a name to your idol. Just name it. What is it? Is it control? You know, is it comfort? Is it approval? Is it power? Put a name to it. You know why is that so important? Because the moment that you name it, what you're going to do is unmask it. See, the, the, the source idols, they work in the shadows. They don't want to be seen. Because you can't fight them if you don't see them. So they're hiding all the time. You just fight what you see. That's Satan's greatest trick. He doesn't want you to see your real idol. But the moment that you put a name to it and you say like, I seek approval, I seek power, you take the mask off and then what's going to happen is the next time that the idol is going to start driving you to certain actions, to certain behaviors, to certain words, you're going to be able to see it at work. You're going to be able to analyze and go like, oh, here I go. There it is. There's that idol. It's, It's driving me to do this. And once you do that, you're going to be able how it never fulfills its promises. Because the people that seek comfort are never comfortable. They're always very uncomfortable in all their relationships because people deem them lazy. The people that seem to con- that want to control everything realize they cannot really control anything and they're just worrying all the time. And you can see it once you name it. You'll see that you don't have power over anything and that if you're winning over people in your relationships, you're both losing an approval. Have you noticed how weak the approval of people is? They'll clap to you today and the next day they'll boo you. You know, the only real approval and satisfaction and source of power and control comes from God. But you need to come to this realization. And once you see all these things, you know what else you're going to be able to see? You're going to see how grievous this is to Jesus Christ. How painful it is. And if you're wondering, how am I going to know that? Just look at the cross of Christ. Because what happened at the cross was about our idols. So he died at the cross to defeat these idols. So that that was about your comfort and my need of approval and your need of control and your need of power. So this is how we solve this. When we stop to think about it and meditate on it and pass it on to God instead of running away from it. Because the only way to displace an idol in your heart, it's not by human effort, it's by divine action. 
is when we go to him, place our hearts in his hands, allow him to reign in our heart by unmasking the idols, and then we get to be free. And that's when you can live for what matters most. You know, to have an even better relationship with God when you realize what he truly did for you and when you start realizing that the people around you act the way they act because of the idols that they worship and that the best that you can do for them is to bring them to the God that will help them displace those idols. And then we can all enjoy eternity together. That's our job as a church.